God, can you imagine that? Like, you're named after that guy. You get up to that level. Like, what are even the odds of that? If you're named after him to even be a ball player, like, how much does that impact impact your decision to be a ball player? Yeah, well, I mean, you, Do you think as kinda, a kid that it does that? Yeah, it's like a premonition. You were told earlier you on. You feel like you have to live up to it. Yeah, I I don't know if you have to live up to it, but if you make it to the major leagues, that's an accomplishment in and of itself. Yes, like you you were born to do that. It's crazy how much we have kind of we're out of touch with when we're like, how did he not catch that or how do you not hit that? Like, what skill level and what like level an echelon that athlete is at, like compared to like what you're at. Well, you see it more recently just because there are just slews of great athletes that have mm-hmm. kids now, like the Vlad Guerrero juniors and all the NBA players where their kids are showing up to play is the Steph Curry with Del Curry, the Michael Thompson and clay Thompson. Mm-hmm. You see that. So those almost make sense because you were just born into that. Yeah. But if you're some kid who has a dad, that's an insurance adjuster and a mom that's, that was how it was. I think more so like in the nineties. Yeah. It, you had these guys that were coming up that, didn't have you they know, were the first generation where sports professionally was almost an option yeah where, where the the big money contracts came mm-hmm. from because like looking back at our oj uh podcast he didn't make that much money no it, but, it was but he was kind of the entry level to that so they found out that now you're having the kids coming up now or even another generation behind are the children who grew up seeing that that was an option, Yep, that that was something they could do for a profession. So you've just gotten better. And now all those kids that didn't grow up like that, but looked at that as the echelon. Now they're trying to become professional. Athletes. They're competing with all those. Athletes the nineties was fucking crazy, man, which is like, well, I'm glad we're doing this one V one. That was a great lead in. Was it? Yes. All right. Okay. So this is our one V one on 90 shit. So Adam, break it down on what we're covering as far as categories for nineties. Nineties was such a big just era and decade that we're going a little bit more with the options. This I time. do want to also put a disclaimer on this that we're not just like going back and like talking about shit we like read about in the nineties. Like we're legitimate Lived like nineties kids. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Nineties were time. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So we're gonna do trend. We're gonna do album, athlete, toy. TV show and TV theme song. Something, those things that when you got home from school at like three thirty mm-hmm. and you turn on the TV, you just automatically expect to hear that. Theme did song. you watch T? Did you watch um, TV in the morning getting ready? Uh, Any breakfast I, or anything? I was a late sleeper, so okay. I didn't catch a lot in the morning. Okay. But yeah, after school. usually you had like 45 minutes between school and practice Mm -hmm. or if mom and dad were getting home at five and you had to go to practice after that, you had a little bit of time to get your snack in homework. Didn't matter back in the nineties. I don't remember doing a lot of nineties homework. All right. All right. So let's start with trend. What do you think is the best trend from the nineties? Uh, my best trend. And I don't know if this is personal. I'm sure that it had to have had a little bit of a glow up everywhere. Um, my nineties trend was bleached hair. Mm hmm. I, I think I, like, I first bleached my like, like bleached, fifth grade. Like, yeah, like not, like, not well bleached. Like no, this was just no, like, like yeah. orange, orangey, yeah. yellowy tint. Mm-hmm. You probably did it with, um, peroxide at home. Yep. 
if you had a mom that did hair like I did, she actually went and got like more of the stuff that they use in a salon. But everybody, I, I don't know if it was Eminem. Did you ever bleach your fro? No. I, no, I never did any natural. Adam actually had an afro. Like, yeah. you wouldn't think of it like looking at your hair when it's shorter, but I guess is that the point? Yeah, it's just so much easier to control. Once it gets to about an inch and a half long, the curls start to I was going to say, you it had so much body. Just the worst cultural appropriation <laughs> ever. All right. I, it, it always seemed like it showed up. I mean, I don't know if it was real Slim Shady. I don't know if it was Eminem doing it, but everybody either had bleached tips. You remember that stupid was, duck's ass that everybody used to do where they would gel it up and then stick it up in yeah. the front? You would always have that front Oh, yeah. Tips. So, like, instead of, like, yes, you would, like, it almost looked like you put your hand together and then brought it up. Uh-huh. Yeah. And that tip was always bleach blonde on mm-hmm. kids, even if there was no other hair that was It was popular, blonde. man. You had Eminem doing it, and then you had how many, you had a member, like, each of the major boy bands with bleach tips. Did you? Yeah, you had, I think, I would, Lance Bass from NSYNC, Backstreet Boys would have been who I would have had hair that was. This is, I can't, I'm not. I know. Here. I'm trying to think. Um, But yeah, I, I can think each one, and then I'm sure it was one of the, in 98 Degrees, Nick Lachey, him and his brother, w- both of them probably had bleached, bleached tips. But it, I think it was a staple. Time. There was a, there was, in boy bands, there was always a mold, I yeah. think, that somebody had to fit. All right. Mine was hair related too. It was the middle part or bowl cut. <laughs> so like I'm talking the middle cut. If you remember like God, like yes. primetime home improvement, Zachary. No, not Zachary Taylor. Is it Zachary Taylor Zachary Thomas? Taylor Jonathan, Thomas. Jonathan. Jonathan Taylor, Taylor Thomas. Thomas. JTT. Um, that kind or the full on bowl cut, but you would still have the part right down, right down the middle. As a former rocker of the bowl cut for many, many years. Really? It, and it was so easy because all you do is take the comb that side, that side and everything. The the middle cut was the middle part. Oh, my God. Yeah, back in the 90s, a part wasn't just in a woman's hair. Mm-mm. Men had many parts. Yep. Wow. All right. right. Uh, let's do best album. Okay. Um, my best album, I don't know. I, I'm sure I listened to it in the 90s, but probably just more after and still to this day. But... Uh, Sublime studio album, just Sublime. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Santeria on it. What I got, all those songs that you could just put the CD in and play it back to back to back, and everything was just so solid on the whole entire thing. It wasn't Bad Fish. Bad Fish was on another one, but I there's just literally everything. A pawn shop, all sorts of just good music, and it like it's a summer anthem still. I think. It's just so good. And unfortunately, things didn't go real great for Sublime afterwards because I think it was like uh, a few months either before or after Brad Norwell, the lead singer, mm-hmm. OD'd and died. So if it was before, I think they probably knew that they had to get a new lead singer and it wasn't going to sound the same, but that album was just so solid. All right, I am going to go with... Okay, so I'm going to do one that I realized is probably the best 90s album later in life, and that was the Days to Confuse soundtrack. I know it's cheating sometimes to go with soundtracks, but I think the Days to Confuse soundtrack is so good. But it also is not technically 90s music. It's music from like the 70s when it was supposed to be. But I, That movie's the biggest mind fuck ever. Really? 
it feels like you are watching a movie from the 70s. That, okay, yes, it really does. The way that everything is done in it, I agree. Um, if I'm going with my album from the 90s, it's another soundtrack. It's the soundtrack to Armageddon. I'm unfamiliar with that. Okay, so you're familiar with the the major song from Armageddon, the Aerosmith, Don't Want to Miss a Thing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. This also had Journey on it. Car. Um, it had some additional Aerosmith, and I love Aerosmith. Um, has ZZ Top, Bob Seger, uh, uh, Bon Jovi. Not always the the best songs of these artists, but um, Our Lady Peace. It was just a solid. I loved the movie, and so maybe I associate with that. But don't want to miss a thing. Was a banger at high school dances Big and dances time. for the longest time. Yep. You can get close with your sweetie. Mm-hmm. So that's going to go with, and I know, listen, that's no disrespect to other night. That's, you know, Doggy Style came out, Pearl Jam 10 came out, The Chronic came out. I'm just saying what I listened to. At yeah, that The Chronic point. is my honorable mention. I yeah. still listen to The Chronic to this day. Yes, if just, I'm going back and saying what the oh, best ones great. were, that definitely makes a list. But at the time in the 90s, that's what I was listening to. Yeah. All right, let's go to, see, I feel like Best Athlete. Best Athlete, there's just a 1-1. One, one. See, I stayed away from the. I stayed away from, I think probably like the three biggest ones. Yeah, Michael Jordan. That was the number one that pulled up in. That's, that goes without saying. We don't even need to discuss easiest. that. Yeah. Uh, who would you say for number two? Um, my number two has got to be Barry Sanders for me. Yeah. And hey, those two um, are obviously right there. One that I wanted to sneak in, but I didn't feel right was Bo Jackson. Because for me, mm-hmm. Bo Jackson's probably my favorite athlete of all time. Yes, but he just did not. He had his uh, hip injury, and in, I think it was ninety one. Yeah. So I, I went with someone whose major accomplishments, the bulk of their career, happened in the nineties yeah. and their fame. So uh, who who did you pick as yours that you wanted to use your selection? Dennis Rodman. Ah, that's it. Is that I who lo- you're going with? Nope. But I oh. looked at Dennis. Mine's actually kind of in the same vein. Actually, I went with that because. I went with someone who, when you look at them, just put in prime and then put this person's name. It will be their picture from the 90s, and it'll be all of the stuff that they did in the 90s when they were at their peak. Yeah. Okay, so go go a little bit in on Rodman. Go Rodman was the king of weird, the king of, like, fun. And obviously, as a kid, <coughs> excuse me, as a kid in the 90s, I I didn't know all the bad that came with all the good and all the excitement and all the depression mm-hmm. and all just the shit that he went through in his life. But a guy that was an undersized four, he was only like six seven, maybe six eight, and could bang down with Sean Bradley whenever he wanted to. He was going against David Robinson. All those dudes that were just bigger, stronger, and tougher than him that were gonna be able to box him out and grab rebounds. And the fun thing about Rodman is he was a generational basketball player that I don't think we've ever really seen since. Mm-hmm. But what he did outside of the arena of basketball was just... That's exactly what I was thinking. Yeah, he, there's it's no a guy, words. It's a guy whose exploits outside of what he was the professional at are what he's better known for. He And he was that good at basketball. That's why he's not as well known for his basketball skills is because... His exploits outside of basketball were even better than that. Oh, yeah. That would be like saying if Michael Jordan was also a better golfer than he is a basketball player. And then Michael Jordan became known as 
Bo Jackson. How many people do you think know Bo Jackson played baseball? He was a better football player than he was a baseball player. Yeah. So he, he's known for being better at that. Like Dennis Rodman fucking was crazy. Someone that like was at that level, but also had this complete other life that wasn't even related to basketball. The guy got married in a fucking wedding dress mm-hmm. to Carmen Electra, yeah. I believe. Yeah. Yeah. He he was the king of scraping hot chicks from MTV in the 90s from that. I think he, he was dated, basketball Pete Davidson. Yeah. Jenny. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. I think he got in with Jenny McCarthy for a while mm-hmm. and then Carmen Electra, him and uh, Carson Daly on Say What Karaoke must have had some sort of a bond or something like that. Because every time one of those girls worked for him, D-Rod was dating him. Well, and that's the thing, too. He kind of had that like. Like, imagine if, like, Prince was dangerous, that, like, androgynous thing. So he was, like, this androgynous bad boy that was not a lot. There weren't a lot of people like that. I mean, now nowadays you get people, like, that are more akin to that or kind of more just, like, openly out. But he was just, like, I don't give a fuck. Guy was getting his hair done before every single game. Mm -hmm. It was... There were two things that you tuned in to see during a Bulls game in the 90s, and it was what Jordan was going to do and what hair color Rodman mm-hmm. had that night. I love when you had the patchwork. The cheetah mm-hmm. was hot. I had, in like second grade, we were supposed to do um, like a report on like heroes and like favorite people, and mm-hmm. there were like pilots and Amelia Earhart and all that shit. I pulled a whole section out of Sports Illustrated and put it on a big board of Dennis Rodman with that cheetah hair. And my dad was so pissed. He's like, he is not a good person. He's like, Dad, he's a good basketball player, though. Like, let's, can I just do it on that? He's like, no, you can't. He's an inspiration for me playing basketball. He just happens to look like this. Yeah, just the craziest dude. And granted, later on in life, things did get very weird. Somehow him and uh, Kim Jong-un are like buddies. And he goes over and does that stuff in North Korea, which is very odd. And again, not that known for that. No. That's how much the other stuff like offsets it. It's crazy. Yeah. He's my athlete. All right. Kind of like you, I wanted someone that you just looked at in your like 90s. I went with Andre Agassi. Yeah. Yep. The hair or lack thereof. Which, did you know that was a wig? Yeah. Okay. I thought I knew that, but then like I read it and I was like, oh shit, I no, I didn't know that. I was like, of course it is. If anyone is, okay, so pull out your phone right now if you're listening to this. Um, pause it if you have to. Go look at Andre Agassi. Just put Andre Agassi 90s. And you're going to ask yourself, first of all, you're going to be impressed. <laughs> Secondly, ask yourself this. Out of the selection of wigs that you could pick <laughs> to try to pass off for not only, not only this, man, you're playing tennis in this. And you're also going to have to wear this out and about in your daily life. You don't just pick something like easy to keep or anything like that. No. This is like a full-on like lion's mane. You go wild. Yes. And it, he's got the headband. It's literally, it's like the epitome of 90s tennis if you're looking at it. He lost, did you know he lost a match once? It might have been the French Open final because his wig started to come off. And he had to like, he was trying to keep it on and he wasn't able to like r- stretch to balls and stuff like that because of the movement. Because he didn't want to lose the wig. Because he didn't want to lose the wig. He was, he had this thing, I'll get into his career in a second, but he had this thing where it was looks above all else. He had this like, and he got over that later in his career after he shaved his head and everything. Uh-huh. But it was like looks looks matter the most or your appearance matters the most. But 
one of the things about him was, so he was born in Vegas. Just his, his upbringing is kind of crazy. Like he ended up, um, not even graduating high school. He turned pro at like, I want to say 18. He was sent at 13 to this famous guy's tennis camp. Um, his dad wrote him a check to pay for it. I was going to say he got there and after watching him for 30 minutes, the guy that ran the camp was like, take your check back. He's here for free. And he dropped out of school. Oh, ninth grade. Dropped out of school in the ninth grade to pursue tennis. He became a professional at, I think, 16. He competed in his first match. What so, a wildly, like, unrich person. Like, tennis is probably more of a rich person sport. Like, it's a, a, a fancier... You don't think of that anymore because, like, the Williams sisters and you see yeah. the, how they, like, in the street... Like, but on it's the played at country clubs. One of my favorite um, Andre Agassi stories is he... Um, when he played, he was sponsored by Nike and was it Nike? Yeah. Okay. Well, he had a, a Nike tennis shoe called the Nike tech challenge twos. And he did the Nike tech challenges that weren't as great. But when he had the tech challenge twos at Wimbledon, when you or Wimbledon, when you play at they Wimbledon, had to be white. yeah, you have to be all white. Yes. He was one of the first competitors to have those Nike tech challenges and have a little bit, had a colored swoosh on it. And ended up getting fined because oh, yeah. he had the swoosh color on yes, there. Yes, they don't fuck around. Wimbledon. Serena got it. One of the recent guys, Kyrgios or whatever his name is, seems like not a great guy, mm-hmm. but kind of a, a fun bad boy. He was wearing dunks out there pregame. Like, it, it's, they do not fuck around no. with that. The British don't fuck around about traditional stuff like that. So like Wimbledon, everything has to be, not even off-white. Can't have anything like, you have to be wearing white, and I think your logos have to be black or maybe mm-hmm. like navy blue. You might be able to get away with but most of these, a lot of these guys that are sponsored for the clothing manufacturers, I'm sure they make some stuff, but they, a lot of them have to have like custom made, strictly white stuff to be able to play. Specifically for Wimbledon. But he actually, I guess he actually stopped, didn't play Wimbledon for like the yeah. first three years he was available to. Two or three years he was like, I'm not playing it because I don't like your guys' traditional things that I can't wear it. But he was that good that it didn't matter. He came back and he ended up winning Wimbledon a couple times, didn't he? Yeah. So, I mean, he, he, had, he had a pretty good career. I mean, I think. Nowadays in tennis, and I don't know how many people are fans of tennis out there, but I, I enjoy it. Over the last probably like decade, maybe like decade and a half, fans have been kind of used to like these like certain players just completely being dominant. Like for the longest time, like I grew up with like Roger Federer yeah. and he just dominated. And then you had his rivalry with Rafael, uh, Rafael Nadal and then now this Djokovic guy. And there's been a few other people, but you get these stretches where you have these just dominant men's players. Andy and it also depends on the, like the surface. But Agassi played at the same time as Pete Sampras. So theirs was like a big rivalry. So if one of them wasn't winning, it was the other one and kind of vice versa. Um, they were so big back in the day that a like probably one of the more famous Bay Area rappers, Mac Dre, mm-hmm. he um, had a song where his lead in was Andre Macassi and Street Sampras. Oh really? Like, yeah, they they crossed over into hip hop and rap culture to get name drops on major rapper songs. See, the other thing that's kind of cool about Agassi is he, um, I think, in like '97, he actually had confessed that he was using crystal meth. <laughs> he looks like it though. Well, with the hair, if you're looking at the hair, you're like, oh yeah, that makes sense. But considering that the hair wasn't even real. You kind of wonder about that. But what ended up happening is he went all the way down. So he was a former number one player before. He dropped all the way down to number 141. 
And they were just like, okay, well, he's done. He's, he's out of it. So in like 98, he starts training again. And then he ends up coming back in like 98 and makes in 98 goes from 110 to number six in the world. And I think he ends up winning a major that year. And they said, the, and that was the start of the better part of his career. So, I mean, comeback kid, man. Ditch that, he ditched that drugs. crystal. Ditched the crystal. He ditched the wig. Um, uh, have you seen, oh, what's the name of it? It's a mockumentary. It's on HBO. It's called Seven Days in Hell. Uh-uh. Okay, you need to watch this tonight. I'm not even kidding. Like, I'll start watching the Orville or whatever you, anything you want me to watch, <laughs> you watch this tonight. So it's on HBO. And it's a mockumentary, and it actually takes a lot of Pete Sampras's. So, like, Andy Samberg plays, like, this Pete Sampras character, but he's the white kid that was adopted by Richard Williams and trained with Serena and Venus. No way. Yes. So he's, and so he's (laughs) the male tennis player, but he's got, like, the Andre Agassi hair, and he's, like, the bad boy of tennis and everything. And then the guy that plays in Game of Thrones, Kit Harrington, that played Jon Snow. He plays like this um, British tennis player, like this up and coming new hope for the British, who's like this completely tennis obsessed guy. Like his mom was like overbearing and didn't let him go to even like real school. And all he knows how to do is play tennis. So he's like super socially awkward and he has all this staged. And it's about this match they had at Wimbledon where it lasted for seven days because no one could get a break point and all this crazy shit happens during the match. You need to watch it. It's hilarious. It's got Will Forte as like one of the announcers. It's got a whole bunch of like well-known, um, it's like actress. Playing is it like the, the lonely parents. Island guys or whatever? Yes. It's kind of, but it's dude, it's hilarious. And it's not that long. It's like an hour long. That ain't bad. I recommend it. Everyone stop what you're doing. Go watch that. It's hilarious. Except for listening to this. Don't stop listening to this. Yes. Wait till we're done. Okay. So what do you got for best toy? I'm going to go with, I'm going to go with N64. Yeah, I, I tried to avoid video games just because it's such an easy one, but the N64 is. Well, let's not say it's easy. It's not the, okay, here's the thing I'm talking about is best toy on this one is this was like the centerpiece of your fucking like sleepovers. Yeah, this like, this to me felt like a branch of the electronics field where the diversion was you were either an N64 person and a Nintendo person before Xbox mm-hmm. or you were PS1. Because it was kind of, they didn't come out close to each other, but it was one of those things where it was either N64 or you waited to get a regular original PlayStation. See, I think the N64, the way it changed the game and why it was, it's mind number one for 90s toys is that it allowed you, it, it was a fucking sleepover game changer. It allowed you to go from having a sleepover with just one buddy because like you could have sleepovers with multiple friends, but the logistics, if you just had the one gaming system where two of you were playing, then taking turns and swapping out mm-hmm. all of a sudden now you got four controllers, you got golden eye, you got Mario Kart. A lot of sleepovers revolved. A lot of friend, a lot of friendships night. were tested. Yes. Some were broken. The weak ones, you got to find out who your friends were playing Mario Kart. You got to find out who that motherfucker was using those bananas. You and got, gold, you found out about a lot of people's characters. Goldeneye, you were introduced to a whole nother world of like, I know that there were first person shooters before that. Like there was doom and all that stuff. I this think. was the first one that was like against each other. Wasn't yeah. it? Yeah. And it was like the, you had the four split screens. You could run four controllers. You off were, of it. it was for screen peeking. 
first yes. born, and then yep. you had those like you you always knew who that asshole friend was because they picked odd job. <laughs> Because he was shorter. Yeah. So where your gun automatically sat line of sight was like over odd job's head if you were like close enough or like something. And so you had that asshole fucking use an odd job. Where to the point where you just had to say, Hey, no one gets odd job. Yeah. And we no, shouldn't have to say this, but we, we have to tell that one guy. It was when it was a story before it became like a campaign in the 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 one person mode. Because I can remember you had to save Natasha out of the jail It was jail exactly cell. the movie. Yes. It was the exact GoldenEye movie. It Man, was so Pierce good. Brosnan wasn't even a good... He was okay. He was yeah. an okay James Bond. But he... It was just... That game just reinforced GoldenEye. GoldenEye yeah. wasn't even a fantastic... The game was more popular than the movie. It, absolutely. Yes, because the down. game still gets played. They're like remastering it or something. Mm-hmm. It had... Um, what was it? It was uh, WCW NWO Revenge, and it was they did so many WCW games for the N sixty four because it was just the golden time during the the Monday Night Wars between WWF and do, do you remember WCW? This? You remember this music? Maybe it'll play it. Yeah. What what other game had? Pause music that was just a banger. Hot like, in the wait till it, wait till the xylem home kicks in. Yeah, like how you put that much into your pause music. It, it does trans. Even though I was a PlayStation guy, it transports me back to. Um, you slept over at least at someone's house yeah. that had you. You knew how to play N sixty four, even though you didn't have one. So, not to go into a dark story, but. A friend that I had in second grade, him and I grew up together, just best friends all the time. And I had the PlayStation and I did the PlayStation game. So when we'd sleep over at my house, it was always PlayStation. Mm-hmm. Um, he's unfortunately not alive anymore, but we would spend nights over at his house on his bunk beds. And we made sure that we could pull the N64 close enough to where I could sit up on the top and he could sit on the bottom. Mm. And we would play that shit all night long and we would go to Hastings because that was back when that was the mm-hmm. thing where you used to have to rent video games and we would rent something that he wanted and I would always go wrestling but we would always end up playing them all night long and it was the time of Surge when oh, Surge God, yes. was a real thing was Jolt Cola still yeah that was right yeah. with Surge yeah it, it was that was r- if you wanted like it, there were two camps Jolt was for the Cola people if you like yep. Coke and everything, Surge was for that Mountain Dew. You if you just, needed, if you needed yeah. your Mountain Dew to have like two or three times the amount of caffeine it should have had. Six to ten, ages six to ten, a Surge was it was cocaine back then. Mm-hmm. You could jump on the tramp all day long. It was just it was what you drank to stay awake. And was that the first energy drink? What you would consider, or was it because like that's <sighs> yeah, it could have been. I mean, it, it was the first thing where they're just like, hey, how do we make Mountain Dew better? What, a time, what a time to be alive. Yeah. That right. was, for not having an N64, but always have one in the field of playing and friends, mm-hmm. it was just so key in every single sleepover, like you said. All right. What do you got? Um, I went with the Vortex because the Vortex was, to me, the epitome of recess in elementary school. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if I just hit at the right time, but elementary school in the 90s, you would go out and you would play 500 or you would play football out in the field. You would pick your teams 
And it would be the game that you would play at the first recess. I think we had three. We had first, we had lunch, and then we had afternoon because mm-hmm. I'm sure they knew that we could only handle so much learning. But you would pick your teams, first recess, you would play first recess, then you would play the extra long lunch, and then you would play third recess. And whether it was 500 and you were out there hucking that thing a mile, I don't know what the science is behind putting a tail on a football. But you felt like you could throw that thing. You it, could Uncle Rico. You it, could throw it over the mountain. It stretched the field. So I think the progression went, you know, normal football. Then Nerf. Mm-hmm. That soft spir- spiraled one yep. and everything that you could just snag with one hand. Or if you're bored, you just pick the foam fucking right yeah. out. Yeah. Yep. Once it got wet, it was ruined because the core would never get rid of the moisture in it because it was just yeah, a giant sponge. It would just suck everything up. And then they put a fin on the back and made the football smaller. And it was just like... God, you you had to make the football field like thirty or forty mm-hmm. yards you, longer. It, you could add more, and you got to add more friends and everything. But like every play, every play was go deep. You hear the whistle the the whistle that they think I'll, they put on it later. I'll tell you right now, I have a whistling Vortec football at home. I use it for throwing it for Charlie. Yeah, and the reason behind it is simple. I don't got to put much effort into that thing. No, and the, the like this thing is pretty the fins are all bent the nose has been chewed up and everything but it's still got the whistles <laughs> but i can sit there and i can put like 50 percent throw into it and the thing is going almost like 40 or 50 yards it's the per it's the perfect dog toy it they should just market that as a dog toy now make them a little firmer you remember the excitement when you caught a pass but it slipped through your hands and you just caught it by the tail the, the fin. fin you you pinched your yes. hands just fast enough to catch that there there's no better feeling than knowing that you missed it but you mm-hmm. still caught it it's still in your hands oh dude it was just it it was nirvana or those kid. tips it would get tipped up in the air and you would just be and you grab it by the fin mm-hmm. take off running you say 500 dead or alive and you just reach back and throw that thing as high and as mm-hmm. far as you can and everybody just immediately falls back as far as oh, you've dude, gotten tired was... of throwing it by yourself and you're just like these assholes can't catch anything jackpot yep dead J- or alive yes somebody get me out of this position <laughs> let me get back in the group let me get back into the scrum and start throwing elbows to try to catch again oh god yes yeah dude that, that was elementary school for me growing up it's still useful it's i, it's form- I still yeah, enjoy it's still today. being used yes. today what did you have for an honorable mention um my honorable mention was sock and boppers mm. because sock and boppers to me was like the invention of the first time where you could actually use like boxing gloves but safer yet more dangerous as a kid do your children love beating the shit out of each other <laughs> Are you tired of explaining all of the bruises at the store? Do you sock and boppers? Do you know what CTE is? Because if you don't know what CTE is, these mm-hmm. are the best gift that you can. Do have. you ever think that sock and boppers introduced the act or sport of casual living room betting on children fighting? <laughs> <laughs> like if you were like at a barbecue and the kids are out there, like bust out the sock and boppers, put them on the kids. It's harmless. Yeah, They're not going like, to hurt each other. My kid has been <clears throat> swinging on me left <clears throat> and right. I think my kid's tougher than your kid. Yeah. You got sock and boppers. Mm-hmm. You got the blue ones. I got the red ones. Let's After drinking, trying on. to figure out if your adult hand will fit into the sock and bopper. <laughs> After the, inter- the child fighting wasn't entertainment enough. Yeah, not to mention that was, you would always see, it would always be a uh, a movie on, not to tip picks for the next couple, but you'd always see it on America's Funniest Home Videos. Mm-hmm. There was always some kid that was either getting decked or some dad that wasn't paying attention that took one right in the junk, mm-hmm. which 
all it did was just make the surface area bigger oh, when yeah. you got hit in the dick. Mm-hmm. It was just so phenomenal. Do you remember the uh, Tiger Electronics games? The like they had the old Street Fighter. Yes, and... they were like maybe like I don't know, like four or five inches by like six mm-hmm. or seven inches, and it was just a little screen, black and white screen, and it was all linear, and it was almost predetermined positions for the guys. Like they could, but they did have like it was pre Game Boy. Mm-hmm. So they yeah. did have like Street Fighter, and they had like Metroid, and I think they might have had like Sonic the Hedgehog. But those things, man, on a road trip, if you're just like sitting there. Can you imagine what a parent looking back and be like, that thing, it's a freaking like a half, one and a half inch, two inch screen. And the guy just moves up and down and side to side. And that's all he does. You could do three moves, four moves at the mm-hmm. most. But that thinking back on it, that just triggered um, being young and going to my grandparents' house. They would always have the um, old like 21, like poker and blackjack ones like that, mm-hmm. where it was just a little handheld. Yeah. I swear to God, that's where I learned how to do math. And I never even thought about that, but that makes so much sense that they would make adult versions of those. Yeah. But as a kid, you would, but like, yeah, having like just blackjack or poker or solid roulette or anything like that, yep. that would make perfect sense. It just happens so much. And in going into this topic and really researching and pulling it up, I almost ended up with a um, white Power Ranger dagger. The, yeah, the white tiger sword. And like we were I believe his name is Saba. So yeah, it could have mm-hmm. been. And he talked? Yeah. yeah. It, you, it talked at the end. Mm-hmm. It had the white blade at the beginning. That almost led me into buying that. I almost bought the green one from the Green Power Ranger, the original one, the, the little dagger. dagger. It was yeah, <laughs> to to summon the dragon sword. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I you remember <clears throat> these things from being a How kid. How did he play that without his mouth? I, the mouth was just metal, and he would hold magic. that thing up, and he would play the. Yeah, yeah he, he his lips were pursed on his yes. uh, mask to yeah. be able to do it. Just so many things as a kid, where you see it again, you're like, "Yeah, that shit." We used to go into the store. I even remember. I think it was the green one was the first time, like one of the first memories of being mm-hmm. a kid that I remember, like being an embarrassment mm-hmm. in a store. I can remember throwing a fit for not giving it, and like trying to slip it into a cart. My mom mm-hmm. being like. Nah, bro, this isn't happening today. And I threw the biggest fit, and I just remember that look from my mom, like, you little son of a bitch. We're in public, and you're pulling mm-hmm. this shit right now on me. You didn't do enough good things at home to deserve this. We're going to leave right now. And it just so formative in my years. I remember so much of that stuff. God, I remember wanting the morphin thing. The oh. Megazord? No, just the Morphin thing that attached to your belt and oh, it had the coins yes. in it and that they flipped out. It's Morphin time. They had the little yeah. coins in front mm-hmm. for the dinosaurs. As And then even like as a teenager and like growing up in like in my early 20s, they started making those into belt buckles, like nostalgia <laughs> belt buckles that they sold like at Spencer's and shit. Yeah. Yeah. At that I, point, I was old enough that I was like, I can't do this. I can this, come back to it now at this age yeah. maybe, but. In your 20s, it's weird. In your 30s, it's like, yeah, it's dude, fashion. This. It's fashion. It's Current fashion forward when you're in your early 20s because you're just out there in, in the wild trying to score some prey. And no <laughs> one's – you're not going to snag what you're wanting to snag with a Power Rangers belt buckle. A guy with a, a guy with a Power Rangers belt buckle isn't getting ass out no. of the club. It's just not – it's never He should happen. be, goddammit, but yeah. he's not. Yeah. You, you got to respect that. And I don't know how it is these days. Like, I, there's, there was a generation that was just missed on me, like mm-hmm. Yu-Gi-Oh and all that shit where I don't get it. 
I'm sure there's a subset that still are into that stuff, mm-hmm. like Pokemon and all that. I get it. I understand. I don't understand because I liked it. I understand because I had things like the Power Rangers that made me understand yes. how much it was to like that. Yes. All right. What do you got for best TV show? Um, just leading into it, just as simple as that, it was Power Rangers. It was not necessarily... Watching the show was great. I remember being a Power Rangers fan club member mm-hmm. and getting all the headshots sent to me and my parents being nice enough to frame them and put them on my walls. I remember having the Power Rangers uh, bed set, the bed sheet set. Um, this was back in the time when, unfortunately, things got a little bit weird, but I had a Brett Favre... Uh, light strike like over the light switch okay yeah. a light plate mm-hmm. and it was right near his wiener was which mm-hmm. also got weird being that but it was either my brett Favre bed sheet or it was my power rangers bed sheet you wanted all the toys you wanted the red ranger blue ranger the green ranger eventually when he got let in mm-hmm. yellow and pink being the girls you always that was kind of like your first crush mm-hmm. i remember kimmy being the pink one she was very hot Asian persuasion coming in. You're seeing a yellow. If, if you power wanted ranger. to be mentally stimulated, Trini was your. Mm-hmm. That was your lane. Yeah. yeah, she was great. She was absolutely great. It was just so much fun back then, and that was almost like, yeah, I'm gonna say it. I didn't want to say it. I'm gonna say it. For us, that was almost like my first incantation of the token black friend. Yeah. Because it wasn't Zach. It was Zach. It wasn't Zach. Yeah, it was Zach, Billy, Jason, Trini, and Kim. And yeah. Jason was the Green Ranger. No, no, no. Uh, Tommy. Tommy was Green Ranger. Tommy right? was Green yeah, Ranger. Because yeah. yeah. he ended up being a UFC fighter after that and trying to do mixed martial arts and all that goofy I, shit. I think he was actually pretty good at it. Yeah. But I think now he just kind of more leans into the Green Ranger thing. Because they've had him back for like... You know they've been making Power Rangers this whole uh-huh. time. They've had him back for like several seasons of he different iterations. He's basically like the Iron Man... Of the Power Rangers. So he can drop into different ones and everyone's just so fucking excited that it's him. But unfortunately, growing up where we were, you did have kind of the one black friend Mm -hmm. intermingled in there and you saw that in the Power Rangers. Was there, yeah, there was like, I'm trying to think back because, you know, Angel Grove that they lived in, Zach was the only person that got real screen time. So like the most, the people that only got real screen time were... The Power Rangers, Bulk and Skull, the uh-huh. two like bumbling Bulk fucking boys, um, and then like Rita and whoever. So I think Zach, <laughs> and I'm sure you saw the people in the background, but yeah, they were. I mean, they had representation, but man, they were really. I think they've done much better in the future. Better, yes. But I think that that was, but that that was an introduction for some people. Yeah. And it, it was for me. And so much into thinking about the movies that they did and Lord Zed and Bulk and Skull being taken aboard the ship outside and running into, what was the witch lady's name? Rita. She was the witch? Rita, yeah. Yeah, hearing her laugh and mm-hmm. seeing Bulk and Skull like meet them. At be last, like, it's mine! Or whatever, yeah. always so good. And even the movies were enough. They weren't good movies, and I'm sure going back and looking at them now, the production I've quality tried to awful. watch them recently, and it was just that it wasn't compelling enough to have me continue to watch it. But it's, it's almost kind of fun to... I remember the two movies that I remembered were... The one that had the Ivan News guy, the purple Ivan guy that took over sweet. all the parents and everything. 
And that was when and their like costumes got like super cool armor upgrades and all that shit. It was rubber. Mm-hmm. Yep. And then there was one that was Power Rangers Turbo. And that was like the last time I like watched it. It and was that like was, the ninjas in the forest. They had ve- they got like vehicles, but that turned okay. into dinosaurs or something like that. I can't remember, but that was like the new group where it was like a different Red Ranger. And I think the only one left at that point was Tommy and he was the White Ranger and he was like the new leader. And you, you just whenever you're it was like them doing it was like them doing saved by the bell the new class so it only kept you interested for a little bit and then you're just kind of like okay it's not the same power rangers i know for me it was a transformative time like you went from power rangers into saved by the bell kind Mm -hmm. of same high school dynamic but they just didn't have superpowers it was so weird man like i'll i'll jump into my show in a second but the amount of stuff that like i as myself i don't that doesn't make sense that statement doesn't make sense but that I watched in the nineties, just the like scope of the genre was so crazy. Like yeah. pre crazy ass fucking Kevin Sorbo. I watched Hercules and Xena and Xena fuck, I think Xena might've given me my first, that yeah. might've been my sexual awakening. Her and Gabrielle, her little traveling companion always, you know, they never talked about it, but she I, had the, it wasn't a boomerang. It was the circle. circle. Yeah. And I can't remember what she called it, but I always remember, remember when she would flip in and she'd be like, and doing her battle cry and everything. That was the one that was. If I heard that, too, that might make my dick move. Yeah. I, and that's just a She's still hot. Move. Have you seen Lucy Lawless? Yeah. She must have been like in her 20s doing that show because she's still hot. Her and um, Carter, the original Wonder Woman. Oh, Linda Carter. Linda Carter. God, yes. Smoke. She's hot. If she's had any work done, she's planned it beautifully and yes. been to the right people. I'd like to shake her plastic surgeon's yes. hand. But it she, was like, I would watch that, and I would even watch, like, remember Wings? Wings was great. Wings was... USA Network had the... In that time, during the summer, USA Network had almost a better... I think it might have had the prime lineup, because it had... I'm going to say this one last, because this is going into mine. Wings, the single guy, had Xena and Hercules, yep. I think. Yep. Um, and then it had My Choice which was American Gladiators. I I tossed around a lot of other shows that I really liked, but American Gladiators, and when did the new one come out? That was like in 2000s. With like Hogan? To yeah. Okay. So I, I, I'm just, before you get into this, I'm just going to concede, because American Gladiators was far better than Power Rangers. That shit, Laser, Blazer, Oh it depends God, on dude. what age range you are, I think, doing this. But, like, I liked, I watched both. Yeah. And I think, I mean, let's let's just go back and forth, back and forth on events. So you had, it, it wasn't always, it wasn't a common man that competed. No. They always got someone who had played some college sports or maybe Steroids kept in shape. Were huge back then yes. for them. But the guys that were the normal people competing, I almost wish it would have been, someone actually kind of normal. Like you had a guy with some extra pounds on him that does a desk job, but you had some guys with some athletic, the show probably wouldn't have been entertaining at that point though. <laughs> no, it was, it was like D two and D three athletes. Yeah. That were still a normal man would have just been railroaded within and knocked out no. injured in the first two events. They wouldn't have gotten up the, um, treadmill Hill. That's true. Just, it wouldn't have happened. That would have, that's the last event. They wouldn't have even gotten past. No, not even close. So, so you had the, the lineup of, yeah, Nitro, Laser, Titan, Gemini. Gemini, man, the elder black statesman. He was like the dad of the group. 
he was the one that always got to run the um, gun when they would do the the assault. obstacle court. Yeah, assault. assault. Yes. 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 Yep. And then you had the chicks that were like, they were they were just hot. I, they remind me of the wife in Napoleon Dynamite, the one that Starla? Rico, the one that Rico tries Starla. to yes. Star- yes, that's right, Starla. And the weird guy from um, the Drew Carey show was her husband. Mm-hmm. Yeah, dude. All that was so great. And thinking back, we've talked about it multiple times, where if this thing ever blows up and we buy a studio, we're buying a studio that's far bigger, and I would love nothing more than to set up that attack all or that attack court where uh, you have the, the tennis ball gun. Oh, yeah. Dude, the tennis ball gun is a dream of mine that I've had for so long. That that was by far my favorite event. Yes. It was the coolest thing because you'd never seen. You're like, that fucking exists. And then you would be like, the guy had access. So like from the longest range, wasn't it like, I'm trying to remember. So you, had you had a shoulder a, blaster, like a shoulder rocket launcher. Yeah. You had one that was like, I think a, almost like a cannon that you would aim behind a thing, a glass kind of almost like they had, except yeah. a rocket and one yep. shot. Then as you got closer, you had a slingshot. You had the smaller, like almost handgun. Mm-hmm. When you got a little bit closer yep. and it was the target above the gladiator. Yeah. And then once, if you did make it past him, by the time you got up to the very base of where he was at, it gave you the three balls and you would just see guys tuck, ducking behind it. just yep. trying to chuck them up at the target. And you think about the big metal balls that they used <laughs> to cruise around in where they would have to stop in the, the smoking targets. Oh, that or, one was Atlas. Atlas ball. Yes. What was the one where they used to have to run around and dunk the balls in the like trash can looking things that used to roll up and down? Oh, that one was, it was in the, was it, there was three of them, right? And mm-hmm. both, both guys got to compete at the same time. And was there one or two gladiators? There was three, two gladiators, three of those little areas. And they would try to tackle you and bring you down before mm-hmm. you put it in. So you would do that last, or they would do the last second shot right before they were getting tackled. Or you would do, you would see like almost the defensive end move of like the stretch and the reach around yeah. to try to drop it in there. And then it always wasn't the, no, it wasn't the last one that they did, the climb up the mountain. It was the last one they did, I think. No, right? so the last one was the eliminator. Okay, so that was the eliminator where it was a bunch of different stuff, and it was the maze to crawl That was, over. you had to go up the treadmill, then it had the little... Um, the hand arm, bike. The hand bike to go yeah. across, then the spinning log that you had to go across, then the net up, then a zip line uh-huh. down. After the zip line, you, you had, had to, to... crawl over the walls. You had to go crawl over the walls, and then you had to choose the three doors. Yeah, And behind dude. two of the doors... There were gladiators. Well, there were gladiators. Were to take you down. Mm-hmm. I remember them climbing up the wall, and they got like a 10-second head start, and then you'd see the gladiators start to climb up the wall so much faster, mm-hmm. and they had to hit the buzzer at the top. Like, all they had to do was you would see the guys that you knew were going to win, or the girls that you knew that they were going to win, would run and already be up like five feet. They yep. would run up and get a high grip and start going, and then you would, as soon as you would see someone go... And try to just stand on the ground and reach up and get their footing. You're like, that guy's fucking toast. Yep. Because all the gladiator did was they knew where the footholds were. You would see most of them, 80% of the time, unless they were too far to jump, they would run up, jump off the wall and just grab an ankle and rip you off the wall. And there was like, I want to say there was three competitors and there was like two gladiators. So you would always know. It was always two competitors, two women and two men. I thought that was there only one gladiator then because it seemed like they would always go after the weaker one first. And then they go. It was one gladiator assigned to each person, but they would all go, I think, at the same time. Dude, that was so good. The 90s was so good for that kind of shit. You would have the one where you had to do the monkey ring swings 
across yeah. and like time it and they would get their legs around you and then just crank on yep. you. Um, as soon as you got in that leg grip, you were just done. Yes. And then the one, so they did have the pugil stick one where they both stood on the platform. Still want to do that to this day. I would, I would pay money to go pugil stick. Like you and I up there, we could do that shit all fucking day. And the kids and the wives and everything would just stick behind and probably get bored watching us go up there and climb that shit every single time. The other three that I can remember... God, I'm just reminding myself what a great show this was. The one where you got to swing off and it was the gladiator on the pedestal and you were like the human wrecking ball. And you, and you had, had to knock, knock them off. off. And sometimes the yeah. gladiators got fucking launched. And then there was the one where it was two gladiators and two guys and they were all up on stages surrounding. Remember there was the, like the little thing that hung from the ceiling that had the balls on it. And they could bounce down and then bounce the up bungee, to get the balls. It was like the, and you'd have yeah, to, the higher dude. balls were worth more. And the gladiators were trying to swat the balls out of their hands. How is that not still a thing? Like I, I'm so excited just talking about and it. Then, I would watch that shit over and over and over And then again. Skytrack. Do you remember Skytrack? It was where they're hung upside down. The monkey the, bars? No, they were hung upside down on like a, um, Remember those old car racing tracks where you would just pull the trigger and the cars would just yeah, zip around? Yeah. Put that upside down. So you're hanging from the ceiling, but your cord is on a pulley and you would run along the track bear crawl, bear crawl style. Yeah. Upside okay. Down. I'm, I'm kind of remembering. And then the gladiators down. would try to like, they would start out just right behind you and try to like, and you have to do turns and everything like that. God damn great show. It, we get Ninja Warrior where there's none of the fun part. Like, it's cool to see those guys, like, jump across stuff. And I need swing. someone in front of that yeah. guy trying to drown his ass. You need a foil mm-hmm. every single time. You need somebody trying to get I need a foil water. with long-ass, silky blonde hair. Mullets aplenty. Roided the fuck out <sighs> in a singlet trying to wrestle these guys down. Yeah, uh, that's... Uh, if we were keeping score here, you just won with that pick. That's... It was incredible. I'm not going to celebrate on that. I'm going to ask before you go into your sh- or before we go into worth themes. Actually, we're going to do honorable mention for TV show after bathroom break. That's cool. Okay. All right. Back with our final category, which is best 90s TV theme. <laughs> this theme song. Yeah, not the. This brought me so much back. Or so back into the 90s again. And I, I'm i not even going to tip picks because there's so much. But the theme song for me, um, it is me, right? Is it you or is it me? It depends. Like if you, you went first last time, I can go first this time. Okay. Yeah, yeah, Okay. Mine is, I'm not sure how relevant this is actually going to be in jog people's memory. Um, I watched this show kind of peripherally because my mom really liked it. But there was always something about the theme that, like, regardless of what I was doing, it just, like, fucking caught my attention and I would just kind of peek over. Do you remember the show Highlander? Yeah. Do you remember the fucking theme song by Queen? Was it Queen? It was Queen. They did the theme song for the movie. So if anyone's not familiar, the movie Highlander, uh, it's kind of like a weird, like, kind of cult classic movie. It's not, like, super well done, but basically this guy is, like, a Scottish... um, the Highlander. He's mm. from the Highlands. He's called the Highlander. Um, he's this guy in Scotland, 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 <laughs> Scotland, uh, Scotland. And he's part of like a Scottish clan. He ends up getting killed by this warrior guy, but then comes back to life and discovers that he's immortal. And then he runs into Sean Connery playing a Spanish guy. <laughs> 
um, <laughs> who teaches him, he, who's also immortal, who teaches him that there's actually like a race of immortals or something throughout the world. The guy that originally killed him also was immortal, but didn't know that the main guy was immortal. And the whole point is the immortals try to cut each other's heads off. And so after this movie, USA Network, another fucking shout out for USA Network. Bingo, bingo. Uh, did a Highlander show and they got to keep the theme for TV show sung by Queen. And it was called, um, I'm not going to play it obviously for copyright reasons, but I want to say Princes of the Universe. Um, if you've never heard it, do yourself a favor and go and listen to it because it's fucking excellent and it will fire you up. The theme song was probably actually in, ended up being better than the show. But God damn Even it. the show was good though because there was always something crazy that was going on. It was not to the level of like a Star Trek special effects look with people, but they were always running into bards or oops, they were always running into bards or different like types of people it seemed like in camps that mm-hmm. always looked different. There was always something kind of special about them. It was always because like the whole point of the series was that like the main guy was a cousin of the guy in the movie and was also mortal. And it was almost like a serialized, like who's the immortal that's going to try to kill him this week. And then at the end of it, it would end in a sword fight. And he used a fucking katana with like a white handle with like a dragon on it or something like that. Didn't make any sort of sense with being a Highlander. I know. And, uh, at the end of it, they would sword fight and he would end up cutting off the guy's head because in the immortal world, that's how you absorb their power. You get what's called the quickening. And this was where the special effects came in. It was basically like, it almost looked like electricity was flowing around the building and wind would whip around. And then the electricity would like shock him and flow into him and be like, Oh, I need to absorb the power. But I just like, I've gone back and watched that show a little bit and I'm like, yeah, I could, I could probably get, get into this if I, if I took the time, but God, that, that theme song and just queen just fucking grabs you by the nuts as soon as it jumps. And it's not even a slow buildup for the song. It just like puts you right into it. Yeah. That's it. it, I almost feel like Highlander was better than, um, wasn't better than Xena, but it was absolutely better than, um, why am I drawing a blank? Kevin Sorbo. Oh, Hercules. It, it, it better than Hercules. Not as good as Xena. Yeah, like it, it just kind of fit that mold where they were sort of similar in a way, mm-hmm. but just enough. USA had a niche and it knew what it was doing with it. Yep. And then you get into uh, there was a Silk Stockings was also another weird, like, USA show. It would always come on after wrestling. Mm-hmm. And it was like a, a thriller, kind of mild, porny. It like, was like an erotic thriller. Yeah. But USA had a niche, it felt like, where it was a little bit more above the threshold of what some of the other networks would show. Mm-hmm. And it kind of played out in Highlander too, where yeah. you would see a little bit more action than you would see. Oh, there was like some normal... lovemaking in Highlander. It yeah. was, it was very ahead of its time. Mm-hmm. Fantastic. Um, I'm just going to go with what I've seen, um, for just theme songs. It was family matters for me. Like, Family Matters, just the whole, 
whole family dynamic that would be introduced in the theme song to it. You just you hear all this all the words going through. There was a little bit of the theme song was close to family or not family matters. It was close to. Uh, Oh God! Was it one of the shows on like at, around the same time? Yeah, not like uh, a Full House or anything. Yeah, right? it was. It was kind of a Full House, like it just the the singing of it in the pan shots that they would take like into the it park. Was a, it was a song that pertained, and I I can almost remember every single word. What was it? It's a grand tradition, or no? It's yeah. This a day grand and design. age, some people say it's even new. harder to find. Well, then there must be some magic clue inside these gentle walls. It was just so good, man. It, those theme songs, though, like that and Full House and Step by Step. Yes, yeah, family step members. By step by Step, step said day in the day. in the song, so it was the title. But like even like Full House and Family Matters. It was like a song about the show without saying it was about the show. Like yep. the characters are being too on the nose. You were just like, Absolutely. it's about this family dealing with stuff. And like, it's a new age. And God, that was such a good fucking show. That was on my list of, it, of 90 shows. Just because. Since we've talked about this topic, I've gone through and watched at, at least a season plus of Family Matters. Mm-hmm. Just because it just, it transports you back to being a kid so much. And seeing Carl as a policeman and all the kids. And like you were talking about, the setup of the singing, and it would show, it would pan to the different characters, mm-hmm. and you'd see that... They all turned and looked at the camera and like smiled. They were all doing something, then they turned and smiled at the camera. Yeah, the, the studious daughters would be studying, and mm-hmm. the, the doofy older brother that was the jog... The younger kid something. that they ended up getting rid of at some point, or yeah. something, because they couldn't get... Because Grandma became too popular and needed more screen time, but God, Carl was a fucking saint, man. He was. He was he, a Chicago, a Chicago cop. He not only had his family, which was his wife, Harriet. Yep. Okay. And Harriet worked in the Chicago Tribune downtown. Did she? Yeah. She was an elevator. She she ran an elevator before she ran the security. Gotcha. Okay. And then you had the son and the daughter. And then you had... Two daughters. I know, but they got rid of the, the youngest one. And then didn't... Okay. Then Harriet's mom... Lived with them. Her, no, it was uh, Carl's mom. Oh, it was Carl's yep. mom? Okay. The way she talked was... to him was very mother-in-law, but I guess it also can apply. And then didn't, like, Harriet's sister, because it wasn't Carl's sister, it was, it Harry's, was Harriet's sister and her that kid yep. moved in. God damn, Carl. And you have Eddie, the oldest. That's um, right. Estelle was the grandma. Waldo was Eddie's just goofy-ass friend. Mm-hmm. You had Laura. And Laura, then... that's right. Okay. And on top of that, you got the horny nerdy next door neighbor <laughs> coming over constantly trying to bang your daughter steve urkel in that i think it was a fiat that he used to drive that had the door that opened mm-hmm. in the front the steering wheel column and yep, everything moved with it and everything yep shit was just so great and over time just the way that it morphed into like just random family troubles and i loved it and i never really thought of it back then but again, like Power Rangers with the kind of token friend, it was to see another culture's family mm-hmm. being built in just the same way with the same goofy struggles. You know when with, you, you know when you get shows that how they call it like jumping the shark because like Happy Days that's where they say Happy Days completely blew it was when Fonzie jumped the shark. Have you ever heard that expression? Yeah, oh, yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. Family Matters got ridiculous and could have jumped the shark, but I never saw it like that. 
Because at the point when Steve created that chamber and that chemical to be he, to become Stefan or Kel. Yeah, to Stefan, yep. Yes. And then all of a sudden he was just charming and smooth as fuck and good looking. And Laura was just like, oh my God. When Jaleel White became Jaleel White yes. instead of Urkel. Mm-hmm. Do you think that was something about him? He's like, guys, you got to throw me a bone and let me just act normal in a portion of this show. They're like, ah, season five. Yeah. If we make it five seasons, we'll talk. We'll bring you out of your shell eventually. But just the fact that that became a thing on a family sitcom, that there was a neighbor who could take a potion or go into a machine that would turn him into this just like stud. But at no point you were like, oh, nope, that's Steve Urkel. He's just really smart. Yep. He he just finally, he bloomed. It was kind of like the machine was like him going through puberty Mm -hmm. at that point. And you saw a lot of it just so much in those family sitcoms back then where you would have, um, in Home Improvement, you would have the neighbor across the Wilson. fence, Wilson. You'd never see his face, but he mm-hmm. always played such a critical role he in it. He was the sage. Yeah. He was it, the wise old sage across the cedar fence. Everybody kind of had it, but Urkel <clears> was <throat> so much more involved in the family's day to day because well, he, he was became, trying to date the daughter. I think he became like after the probably the first season or after the first few episodes after they saw his reaction, if he wasn't already <clears throat> like a main character, they were like, we got to lean lean into Steve. Uh, he's he's our moneymaker here. Yeah, absolutely. And I guess you got a couple, I mean, the common ones to think about in this situation was Friends was during the 90s. Yeah, no one can hear, I'll be there for you. And I like Friends, but you can't hear, I'll be there for you. And that, that's weird because that song only became popular because of the show. But now no one can separate that song from the show. Yeah, and it also transitioned out of the radio. Like it was an actual song Mm -hmm. that was played, I feel like, whereas. God, man, can you imagine? Because that band hadn't. And hasn't had a hit since. No. I don't think the Rembrandts. I think is, is who it that is. who it was? Yeah. And I wonder though. Like, can you imagine how many bands do you think get approached? Because there's so many shows that get pitched. You yeah. probably have to have like a theme and stuff like Everybody that. Everybody does. How many bands do you think have like submitted themes to get picked up by a show? And all of a sudden, this show became puns the biggest thing there's ever been at the time. And all of a sudden, your one song is now has you set for life. You're synonymous with that for mm-hmm. forever. You're in you're in everybody's house that has a DVD copy of this show, regardless yep. if your CD is there or not. You see the Hansons with the one-hit wonders and things like that, but these almost live on an infinite just because of the show that it's connected we to. We never got a Hanson TV theme song. That's a shame, right? Uh, yeah, big shame, right? All right, man. You got anything else? I, I don't. This is great. Dude, I, walk down memory lane. The 90s bit. were probably the best decade to me. We're going to keep revisiting probably the 90s. It's just fun to fucking reminisce and talk about. So yeah, we'll, we'll think up mine. some more topics for another, another one-on-one. All right. All right. Usual drill, guys. Socials are after. Please, on these one-on-ones, guys, we want to hear back from you. We're going to be putting out polls also. Before each one-on-one that's going to pertain to the one-on-one, throw your votes in and then send us an email and let us know kind of what you... Uh, what your choices on it are and we'll uh, maybe mention it during the next one yeah we want to hear your good stuff we want to hear your nostalgic moments not just ours later peace all right guys hey thank you so much for making it through another episode and uh sticking with us if uh, you want to kind of follow up on the next upcoming episodes get some teasers uh adam can they get us on the twitter they can get us on the Twitter. Our Twitter handle is historically high. That's historically H I. Nice. And uh, on the Instagram, our Instagram is historically high pod. That's historically high P O D. And what happens if your social media inept? 
If you have any issues where you can't figure out social media, our email is historicallyhighpodcast at gmail.com. We set up a landline. <laughs> Just in case. Uh, you guys can go ahead and shoot us any questions, comments, or even maybe suggestions for future episodes, something you guys want to hear. Yeah, high thoughts, questions, anything like that. We're always open. We'll always get back to you. Hell yeah, guys. See you on the next episode. Peace.